So what exactly is artificial intelligence? Worried about the singularity? I was too, until we sat down with Adrian Book. Adrian is a strategic consultant in emerging technologies and a blogger that writes about new world tech. So while there's a lot to unpack about AI, one thing for sure, Adrian cuts to the heart of how AI will impact business, our economy, and makes us question what it means to be human. You're listening to Not Your CEO's Insights, and every episode you'll get fresh perspectives on topics in tech, project management, and everything in between. So we chatted a little bit about the term artificial intelligence and how it's sort of the big thing in the world, but we found you because you have some experience in this area. So tell us a little bit about um, what you currently do or if this is a hobby or where's artificial intelligence in your world? So it's a little bit of a mix. Uh, it is both my job and my hobby. Uh, my role is um, a strategy consultant for a, a French strategy company called Wavestone. And most of the time I advise my clients on how to best use future technologies to be sure that they uh, remain on top of their games. Uh, so that's for my job. As for my hobby, I enjoyed, I enjoy not only writing about my experience throughout my working life, but also mixing things up. Uh, that means talking about artificial intelligence and other uh, emerging technologies through the lens of religion, through the lens of philosophy, through the lens of economy, you name it. I think it's a fascinating subject that can really be cooked with every different type of sauce you can name. I think there's a little bit of confusion about what artificial intelligence is. There's a lot of hubbub about how everybody needs it, but what's the actual definition, whether it's Google and, uh, and Alexa, or whether it's robots taking over and destroying the universe? So when you're talking about artificial intelligence, you're going to have uh, different definitions because it is both an academic field, but it is also a technology. Uh, it is also a science fiction topic for uh, writers and movies and Hollywood and the like. So it's better to describe it in, uh, in three different categories. You've got basic artificial intelligence, which is going to be mostly if statements. Uh, for example, you uh, chat to a chatbot and you write when is your store opened and somebody has pre-written the, the opening times of the store and so when somebody writes when is the store open the chatbot just writes down the times so that's an if statement there's no learning entailed it's just basically if this then that all the steps in the tree have already been written out by a programmer, right? That's what you're talking about. Yes, exactly. And so, right okay. next to that, you've got uh, you've got supervised supervised machine learning. Uh, so, machine learning is usually what we talk about when we talk about artificial intelligence. At least the one that's most widely used in the market at the moment. Uh, and by the market, I mean various startups uh, in uh, in certain hubs. I'm talking about, of course, California, but also London, Paris, quite a few in Moscow, uh, New York. Not every city is able to attract dozens of, uh, of uh, fantastic unicorns. Uh, so the ones that are being currently created mostly do machine learning and it can do machine learning in, uh, let's say, two to three different ways. It can be supervised, meaning you show an algorithm, a picture, and you say, this is a picture of a hot dog. 
and uh, then you throw another one and say this is not a picture of a hot dog and once, you, once you've done it enough it will be able to recognize by itself what is a hot dog or not or do that with non-images and more structured data however when it gets cool it's when you talk about unsupervised machine learning which is mostly just fit its loads and loads and loads of unstructured data so imagine just massive Excel, Excel files. Everybody loves Excels. And then by itself, the software will be able to analyze it and uh, pick up on trends, which would be incredibly hard for a human to find simply because of the massive amount of calculation that will be required. And that's where it really gets interesting. And that's that's what we're on the cusp on at the moment. Then I think anything beyond that, uh, when we talk about reinforcement learning or deep learning, it's a little bit more in the future, not too far off, we started. And then you talk about artificial general intelligence, which is pretty much iRobot, Ex Machina, Terminator, 2001 A Space Odyssey, you name it. Uh, It's more of a Hollywood trope. Okay, so what's the difference between machine learning and sort of what search engines have been doing forever? You know, taking some logic that they think is is gonna help you get a better search result. You know, because if I search for something on Google in my computer versus you search for something on Google in your computer, even though we're using the same search terms, we get different results because Google's learning us. Is that an example of what you're talking about or something different? It is an example of uh, of machine learning, quite uh, quite evolved machine learning, I'd, I'd, I'd say, uh, simply because it is able to evolve. And that's where it gets really exciting and interesting because we never really know in which direction is going to evolve. Uh, we never really know if it's going to make a mistake or not a mistake. Of course, in the case of Google, it's quite harmless, but it is gathering a lot of data from us and also from everyone else. And as it's learning from everyone else, it is also applying that knowledge to us and that's quite easy to manipulate uh, should you choose to do it and should you know how to do it. I believe you recently had an election that's proved the efficiency of manipulating uh, artificial intelligence. Oh, exactly right. So you wrote an article, should I panic about automation now or later? That definitely struck a chord with all of us reading it here stateside because it's how much of this is a big deal versus how much of this is just I'm getting the wrong search results. We should both panic and not panic. I think I read quite a lot of, uh, of news about the US and that seems to be more or less the mental state at the time. Constant panic and at the same time, eh, maybe it's not so bad. We're still the most powerful <laughs> country in the world. So uh, it, it, it is important not to panic because AI is more or less just a tool. Uh, it is not what we see in the movies. It is just a software. We've used software before. Uh, it didn't, you know and the world uh, in much in the ways that people thought that uh, if we traveled past, what was it, 15 miles an hour in cars, our hearts would explode. That never really Mm -hmm. happened. So I think we shouldn't panic too much about about, uh, what is going to happen in the very near future. However, if you start looking at five to 10 years and we start talking about automation and uh, job losses, then I believe that some people might really be in trouble. It's important to really raise the flag on those issues and get various governments to work together to be able to uh, account for those future changes in the economy because AI will automate a lot of roles. A lot of these people are usually slightly less educated than average and might not have uh, the money to retrain or the opportunities or the knowledge to know how to do so. And that might become worrying in five years when suddenly you have a huge jump in unemployment levels. 
that is a real concern that artificial intelligence really could take the, the place of some humans interacting with other humans. Also, to what industries do you think will be threatened and which ones do you think will be empowered? So the industry that will be threatened first and foremost uh, will be the automated tasks. So the tasks that are quite easy to do and easy to, um, to not only automate, but assess how they might change in the future. So I've got two in mind at the moment, which is uh, cashiers in stores. Uh, quite simply, they have uh, quite automatic movements, and um, I think they would be the first one to be automated. But I don't think they would be necessarily artificial intelligence. That would be more like robotic. And that's also an important um, definition to make between artificial intelligence and robotic. It's not exactly the same thing between hardware and software. Same thing for uh, truck drivers. And that's where we're getting closer to artificial intelligence. Uh, if you use Waze, for example, it is artificial intelligence um, deciding where you're going. And once we're able to put a software such as Waze onto a truck and be able to make it to drive by itself, uh, I think a lot of truck drivers will be out of, a, out of a job. And those are the two prominent ones in my mind in the next five years. Wow, that soon. Yeah, it's 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 currently happening right now. I mean, we're already losing a, a lot of roles. If you look at journalists, for example, uh, mm -hmm. research used to be a, a huge part of their jobs, but now they've built softwares that just pop up every time certain keywords are entered or certain news are written about, especially on social media. And that way, the relevant journalists are able to jump on it, really cutting the roles of the researchers out of the way. So what about the industries that are going to be empowered through automation and, and artificial intelligence? Are there going to be some that that's not all bad, it's mostly good? It's, it's never really all bad or all good. Like I discussed with journalism, <laughs> some of them are losing their jobs, but others are getting really good at their jobs because they're able to really jump on uh, an occurring situation as it's happening because uh, some software on social media has picked up on some idea and was able to even potentially uh, predict what would happen next. That's really the, the power of the tools. But if you look also, if you look at finance, for example, um, there are some people currently making millions and God knows they don't necessarily need it, but softwares have been able, based on past transactions, to predict future transactions and allowing people to properly bet, more safely bet, making more money. And if you believe bankers should have more money, then that is good for them. So um, are, are some of the rules that you're talking about in growing and needing a more demand, are they in technology that we'd be all helping to build and, and teach the AI? Or are there other, like you said, with journalists that they'll just, the best ones will just use AI to keep getting better? So I believe there is uh, a, a little bit uh, of both. So some people would definitely lose their jobs, but others would get a lot better at what they do. Uh, not only humans, but companies as a whole, it really creates a gap between the ones that do have AI and the ones that don't. You just have to look at Amazon, uh, who is currently using AI in everything they do, and it shows just how strong they are at what they do. Their supply chain is just amazing. It's a behemoth. And uh, while Sears is closing, Toys R Us closed down, in parts because of the hegemony of Amazon. So a lot of companies will keep getting better. A lot of people will keep getting better. So some of them will be just the best in their fields. Some of them will, of course, be the techies behind uh, the softwares. So the ones building it, the ones molding it, the ones fitting in the data, the ones cleaning up the data. Those will be incredibly important. And then 
one part of the economy that's rarely talked about is as we slowly become less human in our decisions, so do we become more humans in other ways. And uh, I think since the data will make a lot of the decisions, it will free up a lot of resources to take care of our customers better, for example. Uh, imagine in a store, you've already predicted uh, who will buy what and when. Mostly you will predict broad macro demand. Then you don't really need your, your, um, your store people to restock the shelves, but you can use them to be more human and be closer to the customers and advise them and help them. And that's something I believe that's rarely talked about. That's a great perspective. Um, I guess that touches on my question is, what are the benefits of AI as it relates to businesses and the economy? Well, it's quite a large question with a lot of answers. <laughs> uh, I, I think it will help the economy grow as a whole simply because it will make a lot of people more efficient uh, in what they do and will really supercharge a lot of uh, a lot of roles and a lot of uh, companies. It will leave some in the dust, but it will really help others. Furthermore, I think that uh, as an economy, depending on which country you, you, you talk about, but we can really talk about a zero-sum game depending on uh, on which countries you're, uh, you, you're looking at. So, for example, if the US really pulls ahead with artificial intelligence and the research that, that's involved, I'm mostly talking about the military right now, if they manage to pull ahead and use the vast knowledge that they have in A, the military, but also uh, in other parts of the economy, in healthcare, for example, in finance, in uh, in insurance, of course, those are the big ones, uh, then they'd be able to tr strategic strategically predict the moves of other countries and uh, probably try to gain more value uh, appending those moves before they even ha happen. So I hear you saying that we don't all have to become super techie. We can continue to be earning our uh, humanities degrees and our bachelors of arts and still have a place in this economy because there'll still be that human side of the technology, right? I think we need more humanities, more than ever before, uh, which of course will be a problem because currently those are not the high paying roles. As I'm sure many people are aware, it was really sad for me to, to discover that the number of degrees earned in humanities past the 2008 crisis really drastically dropped. Uh, I think that's a real shame, mostly because AI still needs to be guided. Fair enough, it's just a software. It's not necessarily the end of the world, but we need to be able to make decisions in an ethical way. If you look, for example, at what Amazon uh, recently did, they were using machine learning to decide who to recruit. And so mm -hmm. they fed a lot of CVs to their, uh, to their software. The, the software gathered some data and made some opinions for itself about who should be recruited and who shouldn't based on who the successful mm -hmm. candidates are. However, in a company like Amazon, which is quite tech-oriented, men are more often recruited. And so the software told itself, okay, well, clearly men are better for Amazon than women. <laughs> so it's, Statistically, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so it actively suppressed every CV that had the word woman in it. 
you know, they ran the software for a year before they realized that. And uh, I think wow. if they had less wow. techies and maybe more people who care about this sort of stuff, or at least uh, concentrate on, uh, on on ethics and whose sole role is to make sure that uh, technology doesn't necessarily become too evil, then that might have been avoided. We'll be right back after this quick break. You've got project documents everywhere. You're probably still using Excel and still tracking email threads. Sound familiar? Try PI Team, PI's free project management solution, disrupting the way work is managed and empowering teams everywhere. Sign up today at projectinsight.com forward slash team. Did we mention it's free? What are you waiting for? Get started now. I love that you brought up how, you know, relying on AI and machines essentially gives us more time to be human. Um, I've never thought about AI in that perspective. I always thought, oh, the singularity is coming. Um, but that's a really good point that you bring up. Like, how do you think we can coexist with AI and also kind of, I guess, become more human? First of all, AI isn't necessarily a, a monster that will take over. Like I said, we don't necessarily need to coexist with it. We just need to exist with it much the same way as we exist with the washing machine and the car. It's uh, it's, it's just a, a tool that we use and that we will continue to use, but that has very wide-ranging implication. It will reshuffle the economy, uh, giving us more power to care more for others simply because it will free up resources. Uh, if you look at, for example, the invention of washing machine, it didn't eliminate the need for uh, for, for women altogether, but in much of the sense that it was seen at the, uh, at the time, that's what it did simply because women were able to enter the workforce. Uh, so it will free up a lot of our time and a lot of people that will be able to do a lot of different things. Now the idea is, what do we do with that time? What do we do when a software can really make so many decisions that we hardly need to think about what we'll do in the future. Of course, now I'm talking about 10, 15 years. And once you're at that junction, at that crossroad, you need to ask yourself, what does it mean to be human? Does it mean to be imaginative? Because an AI can more or less do that. If you feed it enough poems, it can come up with a pretty decent poem. If you feed it enough classical art pieces, it can come up with its own. Uh, however, to go back to what we we're previously discussing about empathy, being able to know what another thinks, another person thinks, AI might never be able to do that. And I guess that's what makes our humanity, our ability to empathize with others and our ability to uh, potentially care for them in a way that no software would ever be able to do so. I love that. So in a way, it almost makes us uh, think about what is essentially human. Is the fact that we drive a car essential to our humanity? No, because a human or a computer, an AI can do that for us. Beyond that, beyond asking the questions, what are we as humans? It also begs the questions, what does it mean to work? Simply because mm. we will be we will need to work a lot less in the future, like you said. Uh, commuting gets a lot out of the way. Currently, commuting is a huge part of work, but when we're able to work in our cars, in self-driving cars, will that time be paid or will it not be paid? When I can do the work that I used to do in eight hours in four hours, do you hire two people? Do you pay me more? Because clearly the same amount of 
job is getting done, I just do it in less time. Yeah, look how efficient I am. So do I yeah. have more free time? <laughs> do you fire me? Do you give me less money, more money? That's a huge question. How do we represent ourselves? Because we tend to represent ourselves through our jobs a lot, uh, but in the future, that might not necessarily be true anymore. So I'm not sure if you've seen the uh, podcast with Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, but Elon Musk talks about how pretty much we're already kind of like an AI, um, how our phones are an extension of ourselves. And similar to what you were talking about with like, we have the resources to, you know, do our jobs better. Elon Musk talked about how pretty much um, we can search anything in a minute and how eventually that we're going to be like fused with infused with AI and our phone is like a first kind of intro to that. What kind of thoughts do you have about, do you really think we'll be, you know, fused with AI or be enhanced by AI chips or? Well, I think in many ways he's right. Uh, he's very right in a sense that uh, we do have access to all of humanity's knowledge at the edge of our fingers. Once we have all of that data at our fingertip and we're able to do to learn anything, everything we possibly want. We still use that tool just to look at cat pictures. So, I mean, it still won't necessarily change who we are as humans. We will fuse more and more. We'll be able to um, grasp the data, well, the data as a knowledge that others have provided much faster. We'll be able to make better decisions, but we'll remain at heart human. So I think that uh, in many ways he's right. We'll be able to potentially become gods should we want to do, but why would we want to do so? However, if, if, uh, if you want to get very philosophical and theological, if we all grasp the knowledge that is at our fingertip, we all become gods. And if everybody is a god, then no one is. And as an atheist, that is quite a, a nice idea. That actually brings me to the article you wrote about top 10 principles of AI prediction. Mm-hmm. And I loved what you were talking about that... Um, the human gossip concept of person A thinks this about person B who believes that about person C is just second nature to us. We, we think that as just gossip, whereas to a computer that's just magic because you can't figure that out from large quantities of data. Is how, how would someone who has that humanities background be able to apply their knowledge to that problem you just said? Like, how would I be able to look at the code and go, wait a minute, guys? I don't think you'd be able to just look at the code and uh, and notice that there was an issue straight away. And of course, that's one of the issues that we're discussing because it has become a, big, a bit of a black box with sometimes just a team of four or five people who are able to make decisions that will impact millions. So that's not necessarily what I would ask anyone to do. However, I would first of all ask uh, employees or humanities degree holders or any degree holders or non-degree holders uh, to ask three questions is uh, what is this AI good at? So if I'm using one at a, at a company, for example, Amazon, I should be, what is it good at? It's good at flagging CVs. Okay, fair enough. How does it work? And that's when it gets a little bit more technical, but shouldn't be too technical. It should be understandable enough by the layman or by the general public, especially when we're talking about massive artificial intelligence uh, softwares, which impact the lives of millions. I'm clearly thinking about Facebook here. And uh, beyond what is it good at or what is it good for and uh, how does it work, what should it never do? I think that uh, everyone should ask 
three basic things of tech companies in general, and that's uh, honesty. You know, I should know when I'm talking to an artificial intelligence, for example, more and more when you go online and you've got a little pop-up window that uh, that pops up to say like, hey, how can I help you? Usually, no, it's a chatbot, but you can't really be sure. And as time goes on, uh, you might receive call from uh, artificial intelligences and you might not be sure if it's a human or not. And I believe that honesty should be asked of tech companies. Very widely speaking, I'm not saying from the inside specifically, but that we as people should say, okay, it is not okay that we do not know who we're speaking to at that point in time. Secondly, transparency is incredibly important. Amazon should be able to tell us in the example that I've given, this is where we messed up. This is the exact point where we did it, and now we know not to do it because we've pinpointed it. Because right now, what they're saying is, oh well, we messed up, we stopped doing it, sorry, let's just keep going. So we don't, we're not really sure they pinpoint exactly where the error was. So, you know, in 30 minutes, they're going to be doing it again. And, you know, it, the same applies for Amazon, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, the likes of, well, specifically Facebook, which hasn't been doing so well recently, ethics-wise, who, you know, you'll drag Sandberg in front of Congress and she will say, we as a company need to do better. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, 50 million accounts breached using quite advanced softwares that were able to gather the passwords to open those accounts. So we really need more transparency. And finally, responsibility. And that's where it gets important, for example, for self-driving cars. Who is responsible for a software failure? If the car kills someone because the artificial intelligence wasn't good enough, do we sue the car? Do we sue the person that walked in front of it? Mm -hmm. Or do we sue the company that built it? And I honestly believe that the creator is responsible. The creator was always responsible. We hold parents accountable for their kids' actions until they're, what, 16? We should do the same with AI. And that's something that's not implemented at all. And the laws aren't being discussed in that regard. And currently, you have companies roaming wild in the economy with some pretty strong tools. AI is quite a powerful tool and they are not being held responsible and they will not be held responsible simply because the legal framework isn't in place. I think those are very important. Honesty, transparency and responsibility. Yeah, and I, I think you're right about not just artificial intelligence, but most things to do with technology, that the law is just slower moving than technology is. I think Zuckerberg was the one that said, move fast and break things. But the law doesn't work like that. The law is intentionally much, much more slow and less reactionary. So therefore, you know, technology is going to continue to move fast until the consumers are the ones that actually say, you know, we have an expectation that you tell us whether I'm talking to a robot or not. Exactly. And it, <laughs> Accountability. It's nice to say move fast and break things, but it's very different to say move fast and break people, which, you know, currently is happening because people are being very widely impacted by the softwares that were created by those companies. And if you think about it, you had a congressman during the last hearing for Zuckerberg who said, Mr. Zuckerberg, how do you make money? And Zuckerberg had to answer, Senator, we sell ads. And that's Facebook. Can you imagine that same person saying, what is artificial intelligence? I mean, right. those are just not necessarily the right people to make the decision. And if they're not, then I guess maybe consumers should try to make their voice heard to the best of their abilities. It's easier said than done. 
Special thanks to Adrian Book for giving us perspective, depth, and definitely some food for thought. We'll catch you on the next episode of Not Your CEO's Insights. Thanks for tuning in.